time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. Picture of a woman looking at a picture. Movie great of another time. Once brilliant star in a firmament no longer a part of the sky. Eclipsed by the movement of earth and time. Barbara Jean Trenton, whose world is a projection room, whose dreams are made out of celluloid. Barbara Jean Trenton, struck down by hit-and-run years and lying on the unhappy pavement, trying desperately to get the license number of fleeting fame. Episode four of The Twilight Zone was uh, the 16-millimeter shrine and, uh, you know, it's basically a movie about a, or a, an episode about a, a, a movie star that uh, was once very famous and has now gone full Howard Hughes. <laughs> uh, there's probably still plenty of them hanging around. I would think so. So, um, you know, just to, to recap the story a little bit, you've got, uh, you've got this, uh, this woman, I, I play by Ida Lupino. And uh, she's um, she's she, when, when we meet her, she's just sitting in a in a dark room watching uh, movies, uh, presumably with her. And we learn it is her. Yeah. And um, you know, eventually, uh, her agent comes to uh, comes to see her, and uh, says that there's a uh, you know there's a possible role for her, and she goes and meets with a studio head and. She's all upset because uh, they want her to play a mother. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she still thinks that she's this young starlet and, and, you know, they want her to play a mother. So she's not too happy about that. And eventually, uh, you know, she sort of cuts herself off from the world. And, uh, and eventually, uh, we, we've, we, when we leave her, she's actually gone basically onto the screen into her, into the, into the movies. Yeah, I, and I think this this kind of um, the the way the the story was told was actually very similar to what we did last last week with Mister Dent, uh, Denton on Doomsday with uh, um, you know this will happen time and again, but there are stories that probably could have been just a ten minute short. Uh, not that yeah. this is a bad episode. Um, I think the actual direction in this, the cinematography is a lot more suspenseful than the, than the previous three. It's probably the first one where those really hit their marks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is kind of cool that Rod Serling got Ida Lupino, it, who had been making film since like ni- the early 30s at this point, um, or maybe the late 30s, to kind of play her in not really a tongue-in-cheek way, but just like, oh, yeah, she really is a movie star that's kind of, you know, on the outs, and, you know, she'll she'll have a a little bit of a career, uh, you know, uh, we'll see that she'll go on to to have plenty more roles after this, but, you know, you didn't know that at that point, so. Yeah, I I, I think that's probably... You know, and, and we had looked this up with uh, Martin Landau that he had uh, he had actually worked with Serling before. Yeah, uh, that that was not the case for her. So I think that that was probably a, uh, a, a function of his reputation as a writer. You know, probably got him that meeting, or you know, got her to agree to to be on it. And and she might have you know actually just thought it was a it was a good and entertaining story, and yeah, she was she was willing to do that. 
So she, I mean, she basically just goes into the, uh, she, she wishes herself into the movies and can't get out. Is that right? Am I um, interpreting yeah, that correct? Uh, you know, she doesn't seem to want to get out. It seems like that's what she wanted. Yeah. Um, and we and, never get uh, to find out if, she, you know, she's happy with the, with the results of that. Well, I, when we leave her, she seems to be happy. So, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, it's funny because uh, she seems happy in the movie and everybody you know, like her agent and her, uh, you know, her housekeeper person, they seem upset that she's gone. Yeah. But, uh, but she seems perfectly fine. There is um, I, like the the way the uh, the episode ends. You know, they just talk about like you know wishes coming true, and you know, good for her, and, and you know, it's it's kind of like it's happy, but there's also the that kind of feeling that like I don't know. I think this is a gut reaction, and everybody's just trying to be positive. But um, I don't know. Maybe this just goes to the theme of being stuck inside your home for uh, during a, a, a influenza pandemic. You know, I hadn't really thought about that, but, it, you know, like the first first couple episodes turns out to, you know, Rod Serling very well could have been writing for America in 2020 and really the world in 2020. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's it's not uh, maybe maybe I'm just reaching, but I can see a little bit in, in the first four episodes that we've we've done well, um, at least two of them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but just so the thing that kind of kind of makes me wonder is if. Um, uh, Barbara Jean, if if her if she if she will be happy with her with her wish coming true is you know to the wishes that uh, is in Serling's closing narration to the wishes that come true the strange mystic strength of the human animal he goes on um, but he says she's changed the blank tomb of of an empty projection screen into a private world mm-hmm. and. <laughs> I guess the point is that she got her wish, but again, it, it just the words like a blank tomb and a private world. I don't know if that's always a good thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like, uh, so we saw her up on the film, you know, again, me not having any imagination and just thinking practically, um, <clears throat> when they ran the projector, you could see her, you know, living in the movie. So what yeah. happens when the projector isn't on? I would, I would venture to say that, that just, uh, um, that means you do have a have a have an imagination, Keith. Well, that's true. <laughs> I've just proven the opposite, actually. Be- yeah, that's terrifying. That that makes this episode even more terrifying. What happens if like there's a house fire and and the film burns up? Yeah, yeah. Is she just on that film, or is she on on every film? What's oh, there's no cloud. There's no cloud to upload to <laughs> in '59, yeah. Keith. Yeah, see, now it wouldn't be an issue. Now everything's on the cloud. But God, yeah, back back then in 1959, there's got to be. I wonder if so. Maybe we can kind of make this a semi regular thing. If if this was made today and a, 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 an actress was put on the cloud, in my mind, it's got to be Lindsay Lohan. Um, as the, oh, wow. yeah, if as, you were if you were doing ju- just in general, if you were doing this episode now, she would be absolutely perfect. <laughs> Jordan Peele, call her right now, please. Um, and she's uploaded to the cloud, and maybe you know if people are downloading old, you know, I don't know, The Parent Trap or Mean Girls or whatever, maybe it just you know mentally drains her and she's in hell. 
Wow. Maybe that's too dark. We should, we should write a spec script for uh, for Jordan Peele. Let's get Jordan. I, I hear every every celebrity responds to tweets. So let's... Oh, clearly, yeah. Let's tweet at Jordan Peele. I'm sure he, no one else is, is trying to contact him. So No, absolutely not. And he's he's totally... He's not busy at all. So... Yeah. We'll, uh, yeah what's he doing? <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know he actually produced the, the Hunters on Amazon Prime. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, he was involved, which, by the way, I have some problems with with the hunters. I do, too. I think we should talk about that uh, perhaps off the air, but it definitely uh, gives some not so flattering shout outs to Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> that, that, that was my thing. And, and I was talking to uh, to a friend of mine, not to get too far down the rabbit hole. Of course. I was talking to a friend of mine that I, I, I really it, it actually I, I doubt that this was his intention. Uh, I think he, he's just assuming or he and or the writers are just assuming that you know you're, you're not going to put much thought into him into into von braun specifically but it, it actually makes me interested to do some research and, I, and i'm thinking about maybe doing a, a podcast specifically about this yeah um actually because my inclination would be to say that uh, he gets a raw deal because of his um you know his his time working in germany yeah, um, but it would be interesting to like actually do a deep dive and find out if, if that's actually fair. You know, is 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 it fair to say that he was a Nazi guy, or was he just a guy who happened to be in Germany at the time? But uh, you know, again, that's getting down a, a yeah. No, for sure. I I, I think it's a valid thing to uh, a valid discussion. Maybe we can maybe we can do a, a side podcast that that is also on this feed that uh, that pops up. But you know, that's uh, it, it, because it, you know, there's three things that uh, uh, Rod Serling did on the Twilight Zone: uh, space episodes, uh, western episodes, and episodes where Nazis got their comeuppance. Yeah. So. It actually does kind of fit. <laughs> um, so you know, like I hate to, I hate to kind of not have a, a whole lot to say about about this episode because I, I think I think it's good. It's it's again something that I might skip over if the last rewatch of the Twilight Zone that I did was you know less than a year ago. But um, you know, it's it, it's a fine episode. It's definitely worth a watch if you haven't watched it in like ten years. Um, but. Uh, one thing that that I do like that I think uh, Serling's I, I I don't know when Serling stopped this, but um, is previewing the next episode. Well, I think that uh, um, that's actually something he did throughout the show's run. Okay, I just don't think that um, probably doesn't show up on Netflix. Yeah, it, it doesn't show up on Netflix, and and you know, depending on on uh, what you're watching. Like uh, my brother, for example, has every episode of the twilight zone. You know, he got like a DVD box set that included. All oh, wow. Uh, and, and even like messages from Sterling directly to potential sponsors talking about the episode. Oh, wow. And That's so awesome. I, th- I think those actually existed all the time. It's just they whatever copy you have may or may not have it. Included. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Because um, I don't know. I, I think that's a, uh, yeah, it's it. I think the the last time I, I probably like really remember uh, somebody doing that is like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the thing that jumped out at me was um, like uh, both the character and Ida Lupino herself were were forty one. Yeah, 
and and they're acting like you know she's she's all uh, like <laughs> she she's all washed up and you know nobody nobody wants her in a movie anymore and and I I'm looking at that and uh, like that that was the first time where I remember actually hearing her age yeah because when I saw it before I always thought of her being like you know like a grandmother or something yeah not, not actually actually young and you know she's still. I think it's because she she dresses a lot older than, of course. than, than at least I, I would expect uh, would have expected her to. But uh, all the times that I see that episode, it was the first time I noticed they said her age, and immediately I had to go to uh, oh, of course, IMDb and and Wikipedia and look it up. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure enough, she was just 41. So why are they talking about how old she? <laughs> yeah, she did uh, the Trouble with Angels in '66. She showed up in episodes Gilligan's Island, Bewitched, um, Family Affair, Columbo, Charlie's Angels. So, like, she she was doing work for, you know, the next 30 years. And uh, uh, fun fact, she directed the episode of The Twilight Zone, The Masks. Really? Yeah, which is one of my favorite. Uh, yeah, that is uh, that is uh, one of the one of the good ones. Um, I I did not know that. But yeah, that, five five years that, later. That, yeah, that to me would probably uh, suggest that uh, she and Sterling probably did know each other, and and that was why she was involved to begin with. Yeah, it's um, it's really cool. And actually, the um, I was looking at the director of uh, of Mister Denton on Doomsday, and it uh, um. I forget if it was that that episode or not, but it was a guy named Ralph Nelson. I mean, that's a common name, but is that the same guy you were talking about last no, week? No, that, that was actually Frank Nelson. Oh, Frank Nelson. Okay, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph Nelson. Ralph Nelson is the name of the uh, GM of the uh, Rocket City Trash Pandas. Oh, he is. Okay. The the, the most the most famous uh, minor league baseball club right now. The most famous minor league baseball club that has yet to actually play a game. <laughs> exactly. Opening day was postponed. <laughs> Which you gotta feel bad for uh well you gotta feel bad for everybody, but but literally whew, all this build up and uh uh they they're just cooling their heels right now. They're, we'll get there one day. Uh well and um you know as you said, this episode is kind of straightforward, so there's there's really not a whole lot of uh, of commentary to throw on there, aside from the fact that uh, you know. And I think this was the case. I, I think we'll probably find out this is is the case uh, in a lot of episodes where um, maybe at least for me it was because I'm looking at people from the 50s. I know they're in the 50s, but it's like wow, they, these people are a lot younger than I thought they were. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um... And I'm always trying to find like the theme of uh, of you know these episodes, and and it kind of gets back to you know I'm trying to trying to think of the audience if if Rod Serling even cared at this time, but if you know if there is a you know a, a, a 1959's version of the the boomer generation i don't know if there was one that came out from world war one but the the um you know is there a message that he's trying to reach with uh um this episode about you know not letting go of your youth or the second episode where you're trying to cheat death it's kind of you know it it, it's kind of a similar message um, and it ends up, uh, you know, pretty well for both of the characters actually at the end. 
Not yeah, necessarily for the little want. girl who gets hit by a truck, but well, I, I like to think that uh, that the little girl who got hit by the truck was uh, she. She made a full recovery once Mister Death had, uh, had had failed to acquire her, and because of the fantastic health care that she got from the comfort of her own home. She uh, learned some lessons and went on to cure polio or COVID-19. Maybe she will cure COVID-19. You never know. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, what's next? So up next is going to be uh, one that you've already mentioned is one of your favorites uh, walking distance. <laughs> Which, by the way, actually, I, I didn't really have one for, for this episode, but I do have a, a nice little trivia nugget for, for that one. That's going to be good. I, um, you know, I've, I think so far with these four, it, I don't typically get way into them, but just kind of talking through these, I, I've, I've gained a new appreciation for them. I don't think that's going to be any different uh, for walking distance. No, I don't think so. I think it'll, it'll be a good one. To the wishes that come true to the strange mystic strength of the human animal who can take a wishful dream and give it a dimension of its own, to Barbara Jean Trenton, movie queen of another era, who has changed the blank tomb of an empty projection screen into a private world. It can happen in the Twilight Zone. Cabotron.